Hello you, out there where you are in this corner or the next corner in this rather virtually small, yet significantly rotund designation called Planet Earth, whether you decide to begin your day with us or ultimately decide to end the day off with us, what better way other than having a cuppa? My name is Chris Snell. Before I get to my guest for this episode, I have a perception I'd like to share with you, and perhaps you can agree with me on this on the merits, that is, if you've had the same cycle of experiences than I have. As a person, I enjoy being around an array of people. Some more than others, I'll admit, as we all do, because of initial internal preference and timely shared sensibilities. For a time, though, I will admit, I've kept many at arm's length, which stemmed from an inflated ego, I can now say with a faithful humble heart, but because of this pandemic, with an equal humble heart, I can admit that now I just would like to be a people's person again. That said, more so often these days than not, every so often a person comes along who may not be as extroverted than I, but their ambience just, it encapsulates you and you can just sit back thus and listen. Cue my guest and friend, Forrest Ferguson. Fergie hails from the Lone Star State, and there can be many words in the English language that come to mind as to how exactly to describe his character. First off, ever humble. That's a given. He's a talented artisan who can shape forms from steel like clay. He's considerate and caring, sympathetic, understanding, good-humoured, and of course, above all else, placid and completely selfless a true Texas country gentleman in bone and marrow. Forrest's humility is so present that uh, when we arranged this, he was caught kind of off guard when I asked him to come on for a chat, but nevertheless, he acquiesced. What you're about to hear is a story of a man who grasped the last ember for a second chance and ran with it. He now relishes it, seeking no hurrahs whatsoever. He's newly married a proud father and grandfather, as well as the founder and chief executive officer of Ferguson Fabrication, operating as a custom welding and metal fabrication company. I simply can't put into words the kinds of works that come out of his stable, but to savor you the details, check out Forrest's works by visiting his Instagram handle at Forrest Ferguson. Just take an hour and notice the bounty of creations. Also here and there, Forrest shares his sensibility of gratitude in recovery. That's Forrest with a dual letter R, Ferguson. Or you can just type in Ferguson Fabrication in the search bar, and by kismet, you'll end up where you need to be. You can get in touch with me on Instagram as well. My handle is at Chris Nell with a dual L, Media, Radio, Acting, Music. Facebook, you can also reach me by, by my first and last names exclusively, or you can read up about me by my website, www.chrisnell.coza. With all that hubbub, the firebird is prepped, the bristling firewater and brewed java simmers in my thermos, so it's off for a return visit to Texas to have a cuppa with Forrest Fergie Ferguson. And remember, if you'd like to learn one of life's most valuable secrets, just send $20 to the announcer in care of this station. And by return mail, you'll receive your very own copy of the exciting one-and-a-half-page book entitled... Why you should never send some guy 20 bucks just because he asks you to over the radio.
now for our feature presentation. Nothing like the finest selection. Nothing like the open road. Let's see where it leads me. My name is Chris Nell. In a burgeoning career spanning half a decade, I've done a bit of everything. I've walked the boards on the stage. I've essayed emotions and intention down the barrel of a lens, and I've kept the public on its toes through the coil of a mic. Now, I've entered the world of podcasting. During my quest, there's many questions that need an answer. There are many voices yearn to be heard, and many stories aching to be told. I want to hear them all. I'm a vagabond with an insatiable curiosity. Now I'm hitting the road. Welcome to my journey. invited to hear the stories and the views of people spanning the globe. You'll be taken places through the odyssey of your imagination, from the palm trees of California to the Everglades of Florida, the prairie hills of Alberta and the cathedrals of Montreal and beyond. Come along as we discover the hidden truths to matters of the heart, matters that knowledgeable people share. Artists, activists, advocates, and survivors. They share because they care. People like you and me. Join me as we learn what makes them tick. Sit back and strap yourself in. We're having a cuppa.
Forrest Ferguson. Thank you for coming out of Texas to be on the show, sir. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You're most welcome. Now, before we speak on the hard topics, Forrest, I had Mike Ferrer. He runs a blog called Sober Press out of Austin, Texas. And when he was on, he gave me a rough idea as to why Austin has become so symbolic and since the early 2010s became a real mecca and a lot of celebrities, dare I say, have chosen to make Austin their home. Which part of Texas are you from, sir? And why is Texas such a great state in your own words? I am from Austin. I was born in Austin. I live outside of Austin now. Mm -hmm. Uh, And uh, it's just a great, great place. Austin is a is a is a good city i was i lived there for eight years in the early 60s and uh phenomenal place of course it's it's grown a lot and i think uh there's a lot of entertainment of course live music is uh, a very big thing and there's a lot of opportunity there with the tech industries and, and all of that so it's it's a big draw and on top of all of that, I think there's the just the Texas draw in general. Uh, there, there are a lot of people coming to Texas for various reasons. Uh, it's cheaper to live here, um, and so on and so forth. It's cheaper to do business here. I can imagine so. Now, I must admit to you, where I come from here in South Africa, I've grown up intermittently between the city and the countryside. And personally, I have a big fondness for the countryside for a a myriad of reasons, the people, the ambience and the scenery. I'm sure you would agree with me that country life is what makes Texas so appealing. Agree? 100%. Most of our state is rural or, or not cities and that that is the base of our people that's part of the culture the people in texas are very very strong people very strong-willed mm-hmm. um and and like myself a lot of the, the families have been here since this was mexico and uh, it it's a it's a different type of of culture if okay, when you get outside of town and you get in the rural areas, it is a very different culture. If you if you go to Austin, you will experience Austin, Texas. If you get outside of there, then you experience a, a different type of environment, different people. You can still go to areas where uh, Czech is only spoken, German is only spoken, uh, Spanish is only spoken. There are still those pockets of, of uh, people that, that hold strong to their, their roots and their cultures. And I never and thought that, as you mentioned, the certain pockets are actually so diverse. I thought it was just, you know, one local dialect and one local accent, plain and simple. But then again, I'm speaking from an outsider's perspective. No, it's a very diverse population. Really? Yes. Uh, like I said, a, a lot of Czechs and a lot of Germans. Hmm. Now you're telling me something. Yeah. I'd like to talk about the Forrest Ferguson of yesteryear. Now, Nuncle, I know it is very personal, but in no certain amount of words, how did your path to addiction come to be? Well, I 
I started drinking at a very early age. I was uh, 12 years old. I was a product of a, of a home where I didn't feel a lot of love. And I didn't understand that. I didn't fit in with other kids. Um, also, I had a religious upbringing that uh, for whatever reason, all I got out of it were the you're going to hell list, all the items on that list uh, of what you were going to hell. And so growing up, I, I didn't, I didn't have, I didn't love myself. I didn't know how to. I didn't know I needed to. I'm 12 years old. I have no no coping skills, no tools, no uh, no means to really take care of myself. And so when I stumbled upon alcohol, so to speak, I didn't drink it to have a good time and party. I drank it to not be scared and to relax. And um, to, to feel safe. I realized later in sobriety that a, a little child's instinct when he hurts or he's scared or whatever is to run to his mother. And I realized that I never had that. I, that was never my instinct. And it took some time in sobriety and working and figuring out and putting all these pieces together that that really was my biggest problem, I, I do believe. There, there was a, some abuse and, and whatnot, but it comes down to the love thing, I do believe, for me. And... Um, I firmly believe that if you raise a child without love, then as an adult, that child will spend a great deal of time trying to understand that and work through that, uh, hopefully. Or the other route is they don't work on it and they end up like I was for so many years. Sure. And you were an alcoholic exclusively. You didn't do hard drugs whatsoever. It was just... The liquid cocaine, basically. <laughs> well, I I would do things here and there at parties or whatever, but the majority of it was alcohol. Um, As was the custom. Yeah, that it was easy. It was legal, readily available, mm -hmm. and um, and plus. Back in those days, they didn't have all of this exotic stuff. You, you didn't have a wide range of, of things to choose from. So, which I'm glad. Mm. Um, knowing me, there's no telling what I would have done. Yeah, I can well imagine. And how long were you an alcoholic, Forrest? Uh, 36 years my gosh. And when exactly did the point arrive that you just decided you couldn't carry on anymore? 
I was uh, 48 years old and um, I was I was just beat there was there was no hope left in my life like I said there was no love I've been through failed marriages um, along the way I, I had two wonderful children and by the point by this point in my life one of them, I hadn't spoken to for two years. Um, so things were really, really in bad shape. And uh, my wife at the time had joined AA two years prior to this. And um, what I didn't know at the time she had a group of ladies and they prayed for me for two years. Oh, two years they they prayed for me that that I could could see my way. And um, so at age 48, I uh, I went to a meeting with her one day and I, I knew I had to do something. I I had to. I was I was at the end. I was beat. I was tired. I had uh, told a friend of mine that I had fucked up more in my life than I had time left to fix. Everything was was a shambles, and uh, pretty there was no aspect of my life that was not affected by alcohol or alcoholism, and. Um, I went to that meeting that day and there was this argument going in my head, you know, am, am I going to do this or I'm just going to sit there? Am I going to do this or I'm going to sit there? And it came around the table to me and I, I was next up and the words, my name is Forrest. I am an alcoholic came out of my mouth. Now, I still, to this day, don't know who said that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was God doing for me what I could not do for myself. Most likely. Most likely. I, I, I believe it. And the moment I said that, I literally needed a seatbelt on that chair. I felt a weight lifted that was just incredible. Sure. It was unbelievable. I can the, well imagine the the relief or the just to put it out there just to say it out loud and, and say look I've, I've got a problem even though like I said I, I don't know who said that but the words did come out of my mouth and um, and yeah that was uh, that was how that happened and my wife at the time was sitting there with her mouth wide open like she didn't know that that was coming and uh, <laughs> it was a surprise to her and so that's that is where I started that that was the beginning of healing and getting better and, and brighter days and did you follow 12 steps did you go to AA or were you even in rehab for a period no, I did not do rehab. I was in AA. Okay. All right. 
I was just curious. Followed the the twelve steps, the big book, and all that. Absolutely. And I want to know now. You were very brave, and thank you for that. For sharing that, you didn't experience love. I've shared that as well, where you were present at HJ three. So we're very symbiotic in that regard. And you've you gave up drinking at forty eight, which is a a big alcoholic career. I want to know, in the period that you've been sober up until now, how has your self-image improved from then until late? Oh, dramatically, and 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 it continues to improve, and I continue to learn. But the the way that worked for me when I got there it was probably day three or day four. I was able to finally focus on the wall across the the room and I I saw the 12 steps. I didn't even know what they were. <laughs> I had no idea. I hadn't read them. I just I needed, you know, I was there. And <laughs> <laughs> so I got uh I got to reading them and mentioned God. And I thought, "Oh man, I I am fucked." because <laughs> this is that guy that's going to send me to hell. <laughs> you know, that's basically all I knew about it. I was convinced that uh, he did not care for me. That was the information I was given. Hmm. So the process started and I had some old guys and they just kind of told me to calm down, relax. We'll get through this. Takes a little bit, but you'll you'll get it and uh so we started working and and what what i finally found out was that god did love me um and and basically in a nutshell what what aa had done for me when i finally realized that i kind of pictured in my mind i had a blackboard with all of the stuff pertaining to religion written on it that I had been told through my childhood. And what AA did for me, it allowed me to erase all of that bullshit on that board. Correct. Clear clear it off. And then only allow myself and God to write on that board. So Amen. Amen. And that's that's where it really took off and i really started to understand that god does love me i would not even be here in this room if he didn't love me mm. and it was an incredible experience and from there i learned that he loved me so then it was okay for me to love me and i could love myself and very well put very well put yes and then after we got through that stage i was able to love others mm. and then probably <clears throat> one of the harder parts was the next step and that's letting others love you because all of this time i had been on my own i had taken care of everything i had done everything i don't need your help I don't need anything from you. And I had to reverse all of that 
and and get to a point to where number one i would ask for help and number two i would accept it and then also accept the love because I, I was not, there's a lot of love in these rooms and I was not accustomed to that at all. Uh, I, uh, you know, in the beginning, that was kind of weird to me. I, I didn't understand it. And these people, they will throw it on you when you walk in there. And you don't they know will. what to do with it initially. It feels uber strange. It, it really, it's, it's uncomfortable where it was for me because It's just not an environment that I'm used to. And I'm not used to anybody giving a shit about me. That was my background. And now these people are going to sit me down and tell me they love me. And they're going to sit right here and help me until I get it figured out. What's wrong and with I'm this like, picture? Right? I'm like, <laughs> wow. <laughs> okay. This is a new one on me, but I'm in trouble. So, hey, we'll go with it. <laughs> Now, speaking of Forrest, just to change tact for a second, um, I've been keeping an eye on your social media pages, and I've noticed that you are talented with your hands as an artisan or a tradesman. You can pick which one of the, the terms is most applicable. When did you decide to make your talent your career? Well, I 11 years ago, I, I started full-time. I started my business full-time which is a metal fabrication and, and welding business. I have actually been doing it since age 14. Really? Right. And all through my life, I've done it either as my primary job or on the side. But I've, I've stayed active in that. And, um, So yeah, 11 years ago, I went full time with that. And it, it's been a great experience. I'm well to understand so, because as you mentioned, you began your own company. And I must say, I love that portfolio that you've put up so far, your entire Instagram handle. When you normally go to clients, you would give them like a flip open binder and you would show them your previous works and whatnot, but you've actually went the digital route and it's brilliant marketing. Because it's fast, it's snappy, it saves you time. And uh, I really like what you guys do. What specific services do you offer exactly? We do structural metal. Mm -hmm. we, we, we will hang red iron and that type of stuff for construction. We do, we work for a list of custom home builders. And we do interior and exterior railings. My word. Handrails, balcony rails, and, and that type of stuff. And we service the ag community. We, we are, we are uh, in a rural area. And so there's a little bit of that work. And pretty much anything that comes in the door that we can help somebody with, we, we do it. A very diversified portfolio indeed. Again, to change tact, uh, an uncle, I've heard you speak to youngsters like myself in virtual get-togethers. Like I mentioned, we met at HJ3, uh, courtesy of our friend Sarah Elizabeth. Now, if someone, apart from the work that you do, I'm not saying that you should, for the argument's sake, just dump your career for this, 
But if someone told you right now, they'll sponsor you, one of your clients, and said, all right, we noticed that you've had this background. We want you to go to speak with at-risk youths and youngsters about the dangers as well as the challenges of overcoming addiction. Would you consider it? Yes, I would. Because you're quite the gifted storyteller and you're motivating in your speech. Well, thank you for that. I I don't uh, I don't really see myself as that way, but I what I do, I did it before we got on here. Mm-hmm. Is I I pray that that God speaks through me, and the whole goal of this, what you and I are doing here tonight. If if one person, if if a seed gets planted in one person, or a light bulb goes off in one person's head before the end of time, before as long as this media is intact, then it's been a success. Mm. Mm. It, it's it's been a success. I mean, we we don't always get to to cast a broad net. Yeah, but that is ultimately the hope. That is ultimately the hope. You know, um, I began this podcast purely by accident. I keep telling people um, I was a radio DJ on morning radio for quite some time, and when COVID started, oh shit! Now I had to go, come up with a plan B. So I decided to reach out internationally to have people tell their story. Now, it had a a very weird butterfly effect in the sense that the local audiences here heard the first one, the second one, the third one. Great. Afterwards, they couldn't give two hoots. The international audience, though, took to it like a fish to water. So I guess I'm mirroring, pardon me, your words Whereas we're just available to do God's work. We don't have to know the the destination. We just have to go on the journey with him as the compass. And that said, Forrest, if you had to take everything that you have experienced, good and bad alike, you certainly don't have any regrets, do you? Not not at all. I... uh... When I first got sober I, I got a, a little sobriety behind me and I got the feeling better the, the fog kind of cleared and I thought wow there, there are a lot of things I want to do in life before before we wrap it up and with the alcoholic thinking that I have immediately into my head goes you wasted 36 years of your life. <laughs> you know, I thought the same just, thing when I got sober. You yeah. have, yes, you have wasted 36 years of your life. And most of the people, that's more time than, than the age of most people I speak with on a regular sure. basis. Mm. And um, I've wrestled with that for a little bit. And I, I had to take it into prayer and plain and simple the way it was was sent back to me was it's only wasted if you don't use it to help others well said so that is how i got through the wasted 36 years that it's it's valuable experience if i'm using it to help others 
And you're getting that those years back with interest. If you, I agree. If you study the Bible, I said this to a friend of mine just the day before, before we started recording. Um, the years will be multiplied, what the locusts ate. And I firmly believe that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And then I want to end off with this lastly. Can you, Mr. Forrest Ferguson, we have an array of people who listen to this show and I hope they get something out of it. And the one theme is hope. And can you tell that person listening to this today, even though you don't know them for a bar of soap, what can they do to, motiv- to motivate them to start looking for help? I would probably start off by explaining to them that they are a truly special individual, that God loves them, that they have worth and purpose. If they did not have purpose, they would not be here. And if you need help, ask for it. There are people that will sit with you until until you get it figured out. There are there are people there. There are a lot of programs. AA is probably the biggest one, and that's the one that uh, I am familiar with. There are other programs, but it unfortunately it's only going to get worse. It's progressive. So wherever you are today. You're going to be in a worse spot tomorrow, sadly to say. And the, what I really like about what's happening or what I'm seeing happening is there's so many young adults that are choosing sobriety. The, the word is getting out. Um, it, it's not such a terrible thing anymore like it used to be. Um And what a wonderful thing for these young adults to go out, be sober, meet their mate, have a family or whatever they choose to do in full sobriety with all of that behind them. And yes, they'll have to continue to do their work and their program, but they don't have to suffer and their family doesn't have to suffer through the impact of alcoholism active alcoholism and and i think that's a, a true blessing and what i would say is just reach out reach out that will come find somebody help come find me <laughs> now you understand why i wanted you on the podcast that said forrest thank you so much for your time you've been absolutely stellar i loved hearing your story and even if you don't think so yourself I think personally you are being groomed to become a leader of men. Thank you so much. Look after yourself, sir.
That was having a cuppa for this week. We hope you enjoyed this leg of the journey. Until the next time we meet, tell your friends and write us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Apple Podcasts.